Hey everybody, this is Brian Brodeur, and I am happy to have actor, producer, writer Alex Aldea sitting in, guest hosting for me for a few sessions. He'll have some great conversations with creative professionals and independent film luminaries, so take it away, Alex. Hey, so this is Alex. I'm here with Rihanna Raddick today. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And she is an actor, singer, songwriter. And I know her best from the acting part. We did a couple of features this past year, which is pretty awesome, that were shot right here in New Jersey. And I got a couple of questions for you. I think I know you pretty well, but I do want to know how you kind of got your start in the business. I don't think we've ever actually talked about that. Mm -mm. Well, I have a musical background. I've been dancing since I was three years old. Wow. And um, obviously my parents put me in dance classes Did that all throughout my life, and then around 12 years old, I got the lead in my school play, The Music Man, Mm -hmm. and my parents were like, well, she's got to sing, so we should probably get her voice lessons, and then that I fell in love with, fell in love with singing, and then when I went to college, I figured, because I love singing and dancing so much, Mm -hmm. probably musical theater was the way to go, so I went to DeSales University for musical theater. I got a scholarship, and then I caught the acting bug, because they were obviously musical theater heavy, but they also had a really strong acting background, Mm -hmm. and I knew that was the weakest link of the three, so I really took the acting part seriously because that was the thing I didn't really know much about. Sure. Fell in love with that. And then I moved to New York City and I figured I would do musical theater, but I realized very quickly that that wasn't really the road that I wanted to go. That kind of lifestyle is very specific, very particular, very early. Very early in the day. <laughs> Got it. Well, okay. you know, at least when you move to New York City, you know you're going to be working some type of restaurant job. You don't get home till like one or two in the morning. And sometimes for those musical theater auditions, you have to get up at four to get in line by 530 mm-hmm. just because it starts at seven or eight. And like I said, that lifestyle, oof, I did not sit well with. So then I started to get into acting. Mm-hmm. For TV and film, and that's where we met. Sure. And I was like, I think I can do this. And I never lost sight of the musical aspect, but the acting, I was like, this is something I could easily just slip into transition-wise. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings on a bunch of interesting points. So parents helped out a lot. Obviously, getting your lessons, getting you involved, keeping things going, because a lot of kids start out in dance classes. I know even in my family, kids start out in dance classes. They start out in singing classes, piano classes, whatever you want, but they don't keep it going. So what was it for you that kind of sparked that love that kind of, you know, kept it moving? Was it a lot of parental guidance or was it, did it come from you mostly? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest. I think my parents realized at such a young age that I had such a love for music and dancing. My mother was a professional cheerleader, so I think I got the musical bug from her. And I guess they just saw it early on. And because I never stopped, that was me. So I want to say it was a little bit of both, but they were always very encouraging too. Of course, they would say, you have something special and you're you're so wonderful. And they instilled in me hard work, which is really important in this industry. And I will say the one good thing that I really appreciate about my parents was that they started me off in dance class because dancing is a great foundation for the arts. It teaches you discipline and teaches you perseverance, physical, you know, 
all of that stuff. And it's really been a building block, at least for me and my work. Mm-hmm. So I could say without reservation that you're probably, if not the most, at least top five hardest working people that I know. <laughs> and, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I respect you a lot, because you just you don't quit and you're out there. You're like a goer. Well, and, I appreciate that. Yeah, and just all the stuff you do, the patriotic bombshells, which I guess we'll talk about in a little bit, obviously doing whatever other jobs you need to do to keep the acting going while, because as we all know, acting can sometimes be feast or famine, mm-hmm. as can the musical career. So a lot of things going on there, which we'll touch on, but that's that's a fascinating thing. So doing what you do, getting into acting, which is what we do, but get also music, what was the biggest lesson that you learned that kind of keeps you going and, and moving forward? In terms of music or acting or both? It, both. Whatever comes to mind that for you is kind of like the thing that, it really it's that thread that says, yeah, this is for me. You know, this is my thing. That's a really good question. <laughs> um, Don't need to put you on the spot. But. <laughs> I can't explain it, but I'm sure a lot of people will agree with me. When you know Something's for you. You just know. And it's something very spiritual. Mm -hmm. One of my philosophies, at least on life, is I believe that everybody kind of has a calling and has a special passion. So for some people, it's they really want to help people and they want to get into nursing and being a doctor or even psychology. And there's that hunger for that. For me, it's always been music and acting and performing and entertaining people through a piece of art. So whether that art is music or a play or a film, that's something that every time I've stepped in those shoes, I'm always the happiest. And that's how I know. Always the happiest. I like that a lot. That's very cool. I I feel the same. Mm -hmm. That's a fascinating thing. So when I met you, we were doing, well, we did a couple movies. It's an interesting industry with the whole movie thing, the audition process, getting in, yes, I see. Mm. (laughs) It's a tough go. And a lot of times there's a lot of rejection for actors out there. And obviously for this one, I was on the other side along with a couple of other producers getting this movie made. So I remembered you. And this is interesting because it's kind of like I remembered you from the first time that we met in a casting director class because you just stood out in the class. There's no question. And then when I saw you for the audition process and I said, wow. Weirdly enough, I was pulling for another girl until you got there, and I think I told you this story. Mm -hmm. And then when you got into the room, you just blew the doors off the audition, and then it was just, okay, well, obviously it's her. So it's like, (laughs) I don't know if there's a question in there anywhere, but uh, (laughs) wait, wait, how did that audition go for you? Do you remember it? Well, I remember going in for the other role, Mm -hmm. and then I think for me personally, I'm very bad with try reading this cold readings Mm -hmm. and you're like oh wait can I just like get a second to read this over and figure out like what is going on so I went out for the other girl the supporting role Mm -hmm. and then in the room you guys wanted me to read the other character and like immediately I was like oh god uh give me a second and I think cold readings are terrifying but they're also really fantastic Mm -hmm. because it teaches the actor and the producers or the director whoever's behind the table true instincts It's really a matter of grab and go. Like, you can read it once if you get that opportunity, if they allow Mm -hmm. you to. Otherwise, it's really just a matter of, like, grabbing and going. And that's a skill in itself. So I remember you guys allowed me to read it over really quickly. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh, God, just what are some of the lines? And um, 
the most important questions to ask, in my opinion, mm-hmm. are like, what's going on literally? Where are we? How does the scene start? So I just kind of got the beginning of it. And I was like, okay, they're outside. She's really sad. They're a little drunk. All right, let's kind of find that in myself. And then just away we go. And I remember Mike, who I was reading with, I think I took him by surprise because some of the things that my you instincts sure are taking, <laughs> <laughs> my instincts are just allowing me to go with. And I was like, well, just commit and go. I think I scared him a little bit, but that's always good because, you know, the spontaneity keeps you on your toes. And then I remember you guys were just very welcoming, which you don't get a lot in audition rooms. <laughs> and I remember that feeling very clearly where it was like, oh, we're a team right now and we're going to work together for this audition. Mm-hmm. Usually it's show us what you got and you've got like two minutes because I have five other people to see after you. So um, I do remember that being a fun process and that's really what it should be. Couldn't agree more. And speaking with an active friend the other day who I'm going to be working on a, a future project with, but just a little sense of frustration when you're dealing with some casting directors and it's not because of the casting director, it's just because their schedule's tight, they've got a lot of people to see. And it's very easy to slip into a groove where you're kind of in and out, okay, you know, here's your take, you get one, two takes, then you're out the door, next person in, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing like that. But I think it's important to remember that casting directors are on our side. And whether they get a little frustrated in the moment, they want you to solve their problem. They want you to be the person. And then, you know, it's up to us in the room to kind of book that thing. Absolutely. I yeah. think that's something that actors can easily villainize. Mm-hmm. Casting directors like, oh, they don't really care and they're playing favorites and blah, blah, blah. But if you really talk to a casting director and you look at it from their point of view, if you ever get that chance to experience being a casting director, they really do want you to solve their problem. Mm-hmm. They have a certain quota. They need to submit good actors, reliable, good, hardworking, right for the role. And they're not trying to make you feel bad. They're not trying to rush you. It's just that they have an agenda. Sure. A couple times I've gone into auditions and the casting director was on their phone the whole time, mm-hmm. the whole time. And I remember I would come out and I would get so upset. They're so rude. I can't believe that. They didn't even look up from their phone. And then I find out it's because the director was texting the casting directors, changing what they wanted for the role. So she was trying to figure out, well, what essence do they want? Do they want the dumb blonde or do they want the silly brunette? Where are they going with this? Because I don't know how to cast this role today. And that's something no one will know unless I figure that out by chance. That's interesting. Mm. Although I don't see you as a silly brunette. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you never know. There's different I, sides to everyone. I suppose so. So we should maybe say this now because I think it's important to just put it out there. But do you have any social media? I'm really heavy on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. mostly Instagram. You can follow me at Riri Radic. It's R-H-I underscore R-H-I underscore R-A-D-I-C-K. And my Facebook name is Rihanna Radic. Obviously, I am DB. I have a website. It's www.riannaradic.com. Although I should probably update it because I have been slacking <laughs> with that because there's so many platforms. It's so hard. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just started a Weibo account, which is like the Instagram slash Facebook for China because they have certain laws in China. <laughs> and let me tell you, that is a challenge because everything is in Chinese. Oh, I guess man. Mandarin would be the proper nomenclature, but I have no idea what I'm doing on there. And I probably have to hire somebody to do that mm-hmm. all for me. 
and, and that's the pray that they don't say, hey, he just likes soup like the entire time. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> And that's the challenging thing, I think, with actors is not only do we have to work on our craft and make sure we're staying social and keeping up with the latest projects, future projects, casting directors, is you have to manage your own social media. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have so many avenues. There's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's your own website. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to kind of miss the mark sometimes. So at least for me personally, I keep up with Instagram, Facebook, and my website. I'm like, oh, I should probably add this picture sure. or like what I'm doing. But that's honestly last on my mind. Yeah, I feel like these days people mostly consider websites to be a sort of a static thing that's like, okay, I've got it. Here's my permanent contact information slash whatever, what have you. But Instagram and Facebook seem to be the ones that are, here's my news, here's what's happening for me. Yeah, and I also think it allows the viewer to look who you are as a person. It's very easy to just put up a website and here's what I want you to see and blah, 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 but at least for Facebook and Instagram, you're allowed to be interactive. Mm -hmm. You can talk to people, you can say, hey guys, I'm on set with blah, 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 you know, and I think a lot of people like that. Everything is about communication today and human connection, and I think Facebook and Instagram allows that to happen more easily than a website. No, I feel the same way. So I know that you've done some stuff on the ID network, as have I. Perfect Murder, Murder Castle, Murder... Deadliest Decade. Deadliest. It's all this Murder Deadly stuff, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. The shows are great, and I like that network and the people that work there, the producer, and it's really, really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. The Perfect Murder was the first thing... I ever got acting wise mm. in terms of film, TV, anything. Great group of people, mm-hmm. so welcoming and professional. They were so wonderful. I couldn't have had a better first time experience on set. I played a victim. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about those ID shows is that you play it once. And if you do a good job or if you're really easy to work with or, you know, you click with the peoples, they keep calling you back. So as of now, I think I have like three or four The Perfect Murder episodes. And I'm like, wow, it's like the same group of people, but it's just so much fun. Yeah. I learned that I am a great victim. (laughs) Although I personally (laughs) like... That's a good niche, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's like um, I'm the victim who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not always the way. Well, I mean, I mean, at least for me, that's what—that's how people see me, apparently. It's not like, girl on the wrong side of the tracks. It's more like, this lady was just in the car and someone just shot her. <laughs> My she walked into a buzzsaw. End of story. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, those, those shows are really great, too, because most of the time they're improvised, too. Mm-hmm. And that's something an actor either works on or they don't. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of friends who are very heavily into improv. They go to UCB or they just, they're just they just constantly working on that muscle. And then I know most of my actor friends, horrible at improv. Sure. Because that's not really what we're used to in the acting business. It's mostly here's a script, memorize it word for word and go. Mm-hmm. So I really liked getting that experience early on. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. Visit jlc-accounting.com. And by Tap Into TV, original video programming covering topics of interest in New Jersey, New York, and beyond. Visit tapintotv.net. So I'll plug what we did this summer. 
It used to be called The Weekend. Now I think it's called... Second Thoughts. Second Thoughts, yes. It's called Second Thoughts Feature Film. We did this past summer at our friend Mike Veza's summer location down in Toms River, New Jersey, and that was a lot of fun. The lead producer is, of course, Larry Rosen, who also directed and had a little part in it. And it was just a great opportunity. You and I worked together for the first time. Mike was there, also one of the lead roles. So I guess there were four lead roles, right? Cher Hubscher was in one of them as well. She's the NYC wing woman, and uh, that's awesome. We're chatting about that when we met each other at a couple of these film festivals. So tell me about your experience on that movie, because that was something where it was mostly improv, right? We had some scripts, some idea of what we were doing, but it was kind of left up to us to do it. And, you know, for me, it was a, a real challenge. Now, as an attorney, I'm used to thinking on my feet, but in a different way, I guess. So for you, having had that improv experience from a lot of these ID Network shows and I'm sure other things, how was that for you? I loved it. I realized that improving actually made my work stronger because when you're improving, you really have to know your character. You have to know how you feel about every single person on the scene. You have to know about how you feel about certain things. And it's very easy to just memorize lines and be like, okay, well, you know, this is what she says. So I, I guess this means that she's angry. I don't know. We'll see. But when it comes to improv, and again, it goes back to instincts too. So I, I really loved Second Thoughts. It was my first leading role in a feature film. Mm -hmm. And it was all improv. And I was like, well, this is going to be fun. And through character work, it really helped sharpen who Samantha was. Sure. At first, I was a little confused with her. I'm not going to lie, especially because I didn't really audition for her. Right. And I, I read her character description after I got the part. And I was like, this girl's a little confusing to me. How did I find this in myself and make this make sense to me? And through the character development, that leads to very specific choices. And then when you're on set, no matter how other people are improving, what they say or whatever, you automatically know your point of view on certain things. So when you do react in the moment, it really is natural and honest, which is what we're all striving for anyway. I think so. And I guess you got to see how different people did it on that set. I mean, everybody was improving. So for me, there was a level of discomfort that I struggled with. And I think I think we got it done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that and that's was... another thing, too. That's a good point is you see other people's improving and some people like yourself struggled mm -hmm. a little bit. And some people just would say the same things over and over again to fill the silence. And something that I noticed on set is that people get uncomfortable with silence. Sure. But really, in real life, sometimes that's normal and that's natural, and it's a matter of just letting the moment be what it is. So on set, someone would just say something just to fill the spot, and it's like, oh, no, we could have just sat here and just made a moment out of it because mm. it's film, and that's kind of what people do anyway in real life. So that was really fun for me just to watch everybody else and be like, okay, so that's where you're going with this. And then react as the character because it's like, well, you're dumb or that was really smart. <laughs> <laughs> so let's bring it back a little to your singing songwriting because um, I obviously know you more as an actor, but I know singing songwriting is very important to you. So do you actually write music on your guitar or do you kind of write it off and then play the guitar and kind of work it in? Or how do you how do you discover that? It's a little bit of both, to mm -hmm. be honest. Something with me, again, going back to 
something that just clicks is music. Things will just come to me. I don't know where I get it from. Obviously, a higher power, some form of like connection, but things will just pop into my head. Sure. And um, I'll just write them down really quick, whether they're lyrics or whether it's a melody. And then most of the time, it's some kind of tune, and I'll find it on the piano just because I can sing it and actually match it. And then once I figure it out on the piano, I'll transfer it over to the guitar. Sure. Because um, most of my brain work goes through the piano first. I think it's just because I learned piano first and it's easier for me to find chords or figure out where I'm trying to go with something. And then when I perform, I actually use a guitar just because it's easier. I can move around. I don't have to lug it across New York City. So it's a little bit of both, to be honest. But I like starting with the piano and then eventually working my way up to the guitar. So that begs the question, what about your acting process? Because I saw you've done two big characters this year. You did Samantha, and then you did, in Superstorm, a love story, a very different character. Kate. So, you did Samantha and you did Kate. Samantha is a, I guess, I remember your own words, she's a little lost. She's obviously got some ideas about what she wants to do in her life and what's working, what's not working. Kate is a little very different character. She's what? Kate is very, she knows who she is, mm -hmm. she knows what she wants, she's very strong, whereas Samantha was, again, she was lost, conflicted, mm -hmm. definitely like more of like the ingenue aspect, whereas Kate in Superstorm, A Love Story, is very, <laughs> very strong, like I said, and she's kind of like a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. You have to really access a part of yourself that's, how do I put this politely? Just like you don't have to put it politely. It's fine. <laughs> At least for me, when I was going, Samantha was easier to access. I think maybe because part of my life, you know, everybody's a little lost. Easier to get lost in the mix with New York. Whereas Kate is very like my way or the highway, and she will not stop at anything to get what she wants, no matter how she does it. And that was a little challenging to play sometimes because some of the things that she would do or say wasn't very nice. Mm -hmm. She would take advantage of people or manipulate or depending. And it was because she had something very specific that she wanted and needed. And that I had to tap into was a little bit more of a challenge. But of course, you know, fun in the end. Very fun. <laughs> Absolutely. On both sides. So when you approach a role, so let's say from zero, you always say, hey, I need to do my homework on this role. Yes. So what is that homework? What do you step back and do on a personal level, if you don't mind sharing? Every single role is different. Mm -hmm. Every play, every film, is, every story is different. So I always start with clearing my head and just reading mm -hmm. and just gathering basic impressions. What is the writer trying to say and how are they trying to portray this character? And then once I figure out what piece of the pie they're trying to say about life because i mean every you can't say all these lessons in life through one movie it's usually it's got a couple topics mm -hmm. and so once i narrow down like okay this is about love overcoming or this is about struggling with addiction once i figure out the themes then i start to personalize it and throw myself into how i can relate to that and who can I bring to this personally? And then at the end of the day, we're all trying to find the honesty and the character in the moment mm -hmm. through people. 
So it's a matter of finding it within myself. And the way that I do that will depend on the character and depend on if I have any blocks or certain things that I'm not comfortable with, like maybe physical ailments mm. or, or something or little ticks maybe. And I like finding the physicality of the character. That's something really important to me. Like, where's her leading center? Is she a thinker? Is she a feeler? Is, it, is she a mover? She has to constantly be doing things with her hands. And then sometimes that will feed. For example, Kate in a love story, she was very much a thinker. And so everything to me would always happen in my head. And then I noticed that, like, I would move my eyebrows a lot. Because that she was always a couple steps ahead of everybody, mm-hmm. of always planning. And then that would kind of feed into my feelings and then getting attached with that and figuring out her point of view. At the end of the day, though, to be honest, it's a matter of knowing yourself so much that you can enter the character and figuring out their point of view on everything. Mm. That is doing your homework, mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> it's a wonderful structured approach. I think it's phenomenal. Mm. Mine's a little different. I'm more just uh, strangely in the moment. Mm-hmm. I kind of discover the point of view as I'm moving through it in a strange way. Really? Yeah, but that's just, you know, my crazy way. <laughs> it's an interesting thing from an acting perspective of younger actors or people getting into the business. There's no right way. There's just whatever works for the person individually. And, you know, you start getting out of some of these schools and some of these other places, and they each have their own particular ways of approaching something. But that's not to say that there is that one thing that's like, oh, my God, I need to, like, do this or I'm not a good actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's whatever just brings that out in you, I think, is is really cool. Absolutely. I relate acting to religion. Ooh, that's Where it's like there's so many ways to get up the pyramid. It's just which one is which one speaks to you. That's great. You know? (laughs) And we've talked about this kind of as friends offline, but you're a very spiritual person. I feel like Mm -hmm. I am to a great extent as well. We talked about law of attraction stuff. That's something that I think resonates with both of us. And you are doing, if you don't mind my saying, at least you've worked on the artist's way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? I recommend every single person on this planet do it, Mm -hmm. whether you're an artist or not. Sure. It will bring out, The parts of you that you've been hiding for a while, Mm -hmm. it'll bring out your inner demons, Mm -hmm. it'll bring out your blocks, but most importantly, I think it will establish good habits for you, and it will showcase where you're lacking, and once you're conscious of that, you'll know. For example, um, I had to do like a pie chart in one of the weeks. A pie chart, you Mm -hmm. say? It was a pie chart, and it was about all the different things in your life that you have and be honest about how much time you allow yourself. So like one was like spiritual, one was personal time, one was exercise, one was friends and relationships, the other was your spouse, the other was your family. And I noticed that my personal time was the skinniest sliver. And I was like, okay, well, that's probably why I'm so miserable. Or that... <laughs> or or maybe that's why I'm so grumpy, you know, this... We really get to the heart of things around here, folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh... <laughs> no, but it's true. And then it's a matter of, okay, now that you're aware and it's in my consciousness, I can change it. So I had a lot of time for friends. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to say no to friends because I knew that I needed to have personal time mm-hmm. to have a healthy lifestyle. Sure. 
even if it's just sitting watching TV or stretching or meditating or whatever you want to do with your free time, it doesn't matter because it's yours Mm -hmm. and you don't need to answer to anyone. You have no homework to do. And I didn't realize how important that was for me as an individual until I did The Artist's Way and it revealed that to myself. That's fascinating. I have a good friend in L.A. who introduced me to this and strangely enough, I saw you on Instagram, you were doing it. And I said, this is too crazy. And it was right before we met up for the movie. So I said, this is like universe talking on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Doing less about his marketing, doing less about some of the stuff and maybe a bit more focused, he started getting a lot more work as an actor just by giving himself a little bit of rest and a little bit of just understanding who he is better and just giving himself a little bit of respite, breathing more, meditating more, as you say, and a lot of that stuff, really helped him to maybe get some of these blocks out of his way that then allowed him to get more work. Absolutely. Um, which is a fascinating idea to think about, because especially on the East Coast, we're always so driven, <laughs> and everything is like move, 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 do, do, do all the time. So. And that, too, I will say, to piggyback off of that, mm-hmm. is you get to know yourself so well mm. that you know how you're going to function. Like, at least for me, if I don't work out at least three days a week, for some reason, I'm going to be off. Yeah. I don't know why, but like, I just notice that pattern in myself. So I make that a priority. But it's a matter of if you know what you need each week, each day, each whatever, you will be better overall. Mm. And then, of course, people are going to want to be around you because you're so whole or you get to know yourself so well. I like that. That's my weird philosophy, but it seems to be working. It's a good philosophy. (laughs) Do you find that that's changed anything about your acting or your songwriting? I think the artist's way helped me as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think that will always feed into the art. The more that you grow as an individual, it's always going to show in your art. So I just noticed that I got deeper with a lot of things and more honest. In the past... At least in my early 20s, I would always have a smile on my face. I would always tell people that I'm doing well, even if I wasn't. Mm -hmm. But like in my mind, I was like, well, if I stay positive in my mind, it's going to be fine. And that's really great. But sometimes (laughs) you'll go crazy (laughs) and you'll have like a nervous breakdown. So I realized through doing the artist's way and through just really throwing myself into work and music and acting... Being honest Mm -hmm. is really the only way you will stay sane, and I think people will respect you more for. And a great big thank you to Alex Aldea for sitting in guest hosting for me on the East Main podcast. Stay tuned next week for part two of his conversation. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of East Main Media. Special thanks to audio engineer J.P. Conk and senior producer, Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thanks for listening.